0: This evening we will be meditating upon the call of Samuel. And this is a a wonderful passage in the sacred scriptures. I remember a couple of years ago when I was a teenager, Father John Noonan, my parish priest, was preaching on this passage. And I remember him saying, this calling of Samuel, Samuel, and telling us how the Lord calls us by name, and that's one of the most important things we need to remember. This call of Samuel is uh, important for many reasons. Uh, one of the things that uh, to note about it is that it's set within a very difficult time in the history of, uh, of God's people. Eli the priest is um, in charge of the worship of God and of God's people but he has two sons who are really disreputable and are causing all kinds of corruption. They are uh, clerics who are really being hard on the people and uh, God is angry at them for what they're doing. And indeed in due time, the, one of the hard parts of Samuel's call is that he's, the message he's told to give is that God will destroy the house of Eli and will in fact lead to the defeat of, of Israel because of the iniquity of the priest Eli. And so it's a difficult time. It's a, it's a dark and a heavy period, and it's something for us to think about because we go through these times within the life of God's people and our journey of faith and the life of the church when things are difficult, when things are heavy, and when sometimes people let us down, as do Samuel's, as do Eli's two sons. But woven through that kind of cloudiness or that darkness, we see a brilliant light. And that is the call of Samuel. In the midst of this time when one might become very cynical and discouraged, we see how Samuel was chosen even from from before birth. We see of Elkanah and Hannah. We see uh, his parents, how they're yearning for the child and he is obviously very special from the very beginning there are special blessings upon him and he is indeed dedicated to the Lord from a very early age this is one of the things in sacred scripture and in our life of faith that has always made me think in terms of special vocations within the church vocations of prophecy of priesthood of service that God calls very often from an early stage and that a call from God is a call from God. It's not that Samuel has certain qualifications, which if he only waits long enough, will turn out to show he can do the job, to do the job that's required of him. It's not that at all. A call from God is divine. It requires of us the response, speak Lord, your servant is listening. It is not something we construct or we can professionalize or we can do anything like that. I think about that a lot because I see in my own mission and ministry as the the bishop here and in my work broader church as a cardinal, the beauty and the grace of the way God is acting in extraordinary ways with so many people, often very young people, in whom the finger of God has come down and who are speaking the words of the Lord, who are illuminating our often very dark world. So you have Eli and his disreputable sons. There they are at the forefront. But in the background, you see the call of Samuel, this young man set apart from the very earliest moments to be the great priest and prophet, the one who ultimately would anoint Saul David and would be the one who brings rescue to the people. And so we can make all kinds of pertinent modern day applications as we see the hand of God so long ago. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord. And so as we think of that, let's begin our time of prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us, to guide us. Give us the spirit of Samuel, that we may ask that you speak deep within our hearts. Forgive us, O Lord, those sins which block your call, which make us deaf to when you speak to us. Help us always to hear you and see you and know you with that perceptive insight of young Samuel. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. and therefore he said to Samuel, go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood forth and calling, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two, the two ears of everyone that hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I tell him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house will not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever." Samuel lay until morning, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. And Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel said, well, Samuel told him everything and he hid nothing from him and he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Resheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh. by the word of the Lord. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So here we see the two of them, the boy Samuel, ministering deep within the temple the one blessed by God, the one who is, hears and to whom God speaks. And Eli, his superior, the priest in charge, but the one whose own family is disrupting the life of God's people and who we see later on is going to be rebuked, for that is the reason for the coming of the Lord and the message, rebuking Eli for not restraining his sons who had caused such harm to God's people. This is a difficult time. In other words, it is a typical time in the life of God's people. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Sometimes, indeed, we wonder about that as the years go by. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. But it is not rare if we listen to hear it. But sometimes our ears are stopped up and we, we cannot hear what the Lord says. The Lord, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There were, there was no frequent vision. To see, to hear the word, the vision. There's something awry in the life of God's people. There was no frequent vision. The people are like sheep without a shepherd. And as it says elsewhere in the scriptures, without vision, the people perish. And that's the most important thing for all of us, to have a vision of the Lord. For out of that vision comes our action, our life. That's why when we read the Holy Gospel, we make the sign of the cross on our forehead that we may know these words, on our lips that we may speak them, then on our hearts that we may live them. But if we don't have the vision, first of all, we do not see the will of God. We do not hear his word. If there is no vision in those days, no frequent vision, then what can we do? We're bumping into the walls. We're going into nowhere. That's one of the reasons why we must be, at least in our hearts, if not physically, like young Samuel, we must be attentive near the tabernacle of the Lord, to listen to him, to be close to him. For it is through Samuel that the people will retrieve the vision of the Lord, and he will guide them in the way they need to go. If we don't have that, we're in deep trouble. If we get in our faith a kind of a merely mechanical approach, a bureaucratic approach, this is the kind of the thing that uh, Pope Benedict used to warn a lot about. He came from a, a church, a type of local church, which is very bureaucratic. And he's the one, you would think, so organized, so set up in that thing who would, in fact, was very much going against that. He was very much for that freedom to see, to hear, to be attentive like the child. God speaks to children. Think of how often that happens in history. Those who have not yet hardened into the spirit of Eli and his sons. So now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight was beginning to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down within the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. So here we have them both near the Ark of the Lord. Eli is there in his own place, but it is Samuel who is closer to the Ark of the Lord. It is there sometime probably, the lamp of the Lord had not gone out, It's probably sometime approaching in the night hours, approaching the dawn. And we have this scene of these two people, the old man who has As we see later on, and we see even earlier in this passage of Samuel, the book, who has not been faithful in his mission as spiritual leader of his people. And we see young Samuel there close to the very Ark of the Covenant, the Ark which in a short time will be taken by the enemy, the Philistines. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim I think he was old and his eyesight grew dim. This happens, you know, it does indeed. But I think there's probably a little bit more than that here. Samuel sees and Samuel hears and Eli doesn't in more ways than merely the physical. He's become, Eli has become hardened and darkened. That can happen as time goes by, but it need not happen. There needs to be the spirit and the youth of Samuel from the beginning to the end, right up to the end of life. And we see that in some people. Think of some of the great and holy people like Mother Teresa and others. He could not see, he was lying down in his own place and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down within the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am. I ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Here I am. This is a phrase repeated throughout this passage. Here I am. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. This disposition of here I am is what we need to have in our hearts all the time. Certainly it starts off with a mere physical and human relationship for Samuel is not saying that to God. He's saying it to Eli, his superior, the priest. He's doing that. But that phrase is more often spoken and eventually will be profoundly in this passage, not just to some other person. Here I am at your disposition. Here I am. It is said ultimately to God. And that has to be the spirit within which we respond when God calls us even in the stillness of the night. And we need to seek out places where we will be able to hear his call. But this world is noisy, not only with physical noise, but with so many distractions. I just started watching again, one of the very best things on video, Into Great Silence. I highly recommend it. It's about the Abbey of the Grand Chartreuse, where the Carthusians, their main abbey. And it is an ancient abbey going back thousand years or more where the monks there live in silence, except on Sundays. They go for a walk and chat with one another, because if you draw the bow too tightly, it will snap. So they have a humane balance there. But fundamentally, they live in great silence, not only physical silence. For as I was listening to the abbot and the another thing about the Grand Chartreuse, he said is silence and solitude, they're not a goal in themselves. Simply what we need to hear God, and I think we needed to hear one another as well to be at peace. And of course, the great Cardinal Sarah has written a magnificent book, The Power of Silence. He, in so many ways, gives such spiritual leadership to each of us in God or Nothing, Power of Silence, and then in his book, As the, the Day Comes to an End. So here we have. Samuel in the silence of the night he hears the call of God and does not himself yet recognize it let's ask the Lord to help us in that we're not living in a temple we have a life different from that of the Carthusians or the Grand Chartreuse but we have in our lives a need for silence for attentiveness, for the ability to come to say, here I am, to the Lord. Because if we're running here and there and everywhere, back and forth, back and forth, we'll never listen to the people we love around us. And we'll never be able to listen to the voice of God who comes as a still small breeze or as a voice calling our name in the dark. Let's just ask the Lord to help us wherever we may be, even the busyness of our life, to have that inner silence. The Lord called Samuel, Samuel, and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me, but he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet revealed, been revealed to him and the Lord called, called Samuel again the third time. and He arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Here he is. And God calls as always personally by name. He speaks to each one of us as we are. And we in return as we pray, you know, the old saying, pray as you can, not as you can't. We need to have a certain disposition and it, hard to get a better one than here I am, Lord, I come to do your will and to be attentive. Sometimes I find in my own times of prayer that I'm I'm too busy. I start reading this and reading that and doing this and doing that. And sometimes you just have to just shut down and say, here I am, Lord. Sometimes it helps to repeat a prayer over and over again, just to calm. We often say when we're praying, you know, our minds are distracted like a bunch of monkeys in a tree, just chattering away. So we need to sometimes just find some help in calming that. One of the best ones is, well, here I am. That'll do, or behold a handmaid of the Lord, or Maranatha, come Lord, come Lord. Or the greatest of them all in our life and in Eastern and Western Christianity, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Some variation of the Jesus prayer is a good thing to repeat constantly, not only in our times of formal prayer before the Lord, wherever they may be, but throughout our whole day. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Constantly, constantly. That is the Jesus prayer. That's something that it really helps us to dispose ourselves, no matter how complex is our life, no matter how burdened we are with worries and cares like Eli, it helps dispose ourselves to have the spirit of the boy, Samuel, within us so that we may be fresh to hear God's word because we've asked the Lord to forgive our sins. We say, here I am, Lord. We pray the Lord to help us have that disposition. It's not a technique. It's a disposition that must be throughout our whole life. But we also need not only to have it throughout our life, but in when we are in places such as Samuel in the very temple of the Lord, when we come as so many, many, many people come before our Lord in the blessed sacrament, here is the temple, here is the ark, here is the Lord. This is more real than the ark of the covenant. It is the Lord. When we come here as well and we need to do something formal throughout the day, as well as the constant praying in the spirit of Samuel, then we can simply say, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. That Eli perceived, finally he perceived, that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli was physically blind But finally the lights went on and he realized, after three times, he realized. He who was so deep in the religious life, whereas Samuel was just a boy, but Eli was the high priest. He was there in the temple. It took him so long to figure out what was going on, but finally he did. Therefore he said to Samuel, go lie down and if he calls you, You shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. I love the Revised Standard Version. It is the best translation by far. But here it's a little weak. That more common thing we say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, is actually better. Hears, it really means ready to hear. In other words, listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. That is, of course, the foundation of Lectio Divina. It is the spirit, not of exegesis, not of study, not of slicing and dicing the text with all kinds of stuff. You can do that some other time to get knowledge, and that's fine. But it is, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I've just been reading, how's this for an opening? I've just been reading The Grammar of the Scent by John Henry Newman. I could say it's because I read it for my entertainment, but it's because I'm giving a talk later on and I wanted to get back in. And he has a wonderful, you know, just obvious point he makes. He's a very holy man, old like Eli, but holy like Samuel, which is a good combination. And what he talks about is that, you know, it's the thing you always do, you can know about God or you can know God. You can know about God, and that's good. That's what he calls notional ascent. That's theology. and There's nothing wrong with theology. It's a good thing to have. But then there is this, what really Samuel's being called to do here. He's not just thinking about God. He is saying to God, speak Lord, your servant is listening. This is real assent. This is here I am Lord. This is one to one. This is particular. It's not theoretical. The theoretical is fine but this is what is the foundation. And that's what we have to have in our life. All the time. Speak Lord, your servant is listening. Say so often joking, often we say, listen Lord, your servant is speaking, but it's gotta be speak Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Samuel does not have a very good religious superior. Actually, he's about to be blown away and destroyed by God. That's the message he's about to get. But it's interesting how he's very humble. Samuel is much closer to God, even physically in the temple, but he's much closer to God than Eli. But he obeys him. And what Eli asks of him is sensible. One of the great things of obedience, religious obedience, as long as it isn't something immoral, um, you know, Go and obey. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And Eli was right. Even someone who's maybe a little off can be right about some things. The Lord came and stood forth, calling us at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak. For your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel in which the two ears of every one that hears it will tingle. That would certainly get them, make them wake up. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I will tell him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity, which he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or other thing or offering forever." Wow, that's an amazing message. The little boy is about to give to the chief priests notice what Eli is being condemned for. He did not restrain the iniquity of his two sons. Eli himself was not so bad. But he did not restrain the iniquity of his two sons. He was not faithful in fulfilling the office committed to him. That's a thought. For everyone in authority, you wonder how can you restrain. Lord, have mercy. But it's a sobering thought, which maybe each of us at our own different responsibilities can think about. We are our brother's keeper. Just earlier today at the rite of election, I was uh, showing, just explaining the crozier as a sign of responsibility and saying, you know, I have that because I'm responsible for the church in this area. Uh, I do try to explain to some people who think I can control everything. I can't actually, but I do my best to do what is right. But it also means brother, sister, parent, child, husband, wife, mother, father, friends, parishioners. We all have responsibility to others. And so we are held accountable for how we exercise our responsibility. And that's the message that God gives to Samuel, in due time to be passed on to Eli. It's a sobering thought. Behold, I'm going to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone that hears it will tingle. Wow. Let's pray the Lord now in a moment of repentance and prayer, that each one of us will be faithful as best we can in fulfilling the office of responsibility, which we have been entrusted with. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord I doubt very much that Samuel was sleeping very much after having a vision like that. But he goes about his duty. His job is open the doors, so he opens the doors. He's the porter, among other things. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. This is what Samuel always says, here I am. He says it to Eli, he says it to God. He is at the disposition of the other. And that's a pretty good definition of discipleship. Here I am. And he says, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? I could imagine the tone. What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more. Also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you, I think we see a little bit about Eli there. He says, my son, what did he tell you? May God do this to you if you don't tell me. I think we know why Eli is about to be on the way out. So Samuel told him everything he had, he hid nothing from him. And he said, Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And here, I think, we have ultimately the salvation of Eli. He hears that he's about, his two sons are actually about to be killed, and he himself drops dead, and the house, the Ark of the Covenant is lost, and the pagans win, and the people are defeated, and all kinds of things happen. And this beautiful little temple, we're having this nice little conversation, is about to be really destroyed and disrupted, and the Ark near which Samuel is sleeping is about to be lost. All of that. And yet Eli has not completely gone off. He is still, he's still close to God. He says, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. And it's that spirit of obedience, as much as here I am, which gives us inspiration as we face the struggles in the society and, oh my, some of the stuff we're facing in our own country, and we sort of say, how can I fix that? Well, we can't do much sometimes. We can pray. Again, I'm watching this uh, video on the Carthusians, two of them actually. One of them was saying, you know, we don't, we can't do very much in terms of world politics and everything, but we pray. And we say, Lord, thy will be done. And if we all do that, we will then be what we are called to be. And God will make the difference. One person plants and sows, but God gives the increase. And so I think there's a message for us here. Because sometimes I just, uh, in my own particular mission, get very frustrated at what's going on in society. I don't get frustrated what's going on in the world of the Catholic community and all that. And, uh, and I say, well, Lord, you do what you can. And then Lord <laughs> guide, guide all of us. And it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. I think as things get darker and I think they're getting darker, outside, inside the church, a lot of things. I won't go into them. We gotta go deeper. When things get darker, we gotta go deeper. We gotta go deeper into the spirit of Samuel. We've gotta get closer to the Ark of the Lord. That's where we need to be found. And pray the Lord to guard and protect his people, to bring insight to people who are doing such horrible things. We think of the persecutions around the world. We think of our own the good Christian people in Africa, and Near East, and Asia, and China, and so many places, elsewhere too, who are being persecuted. We think of in our own country where they're taking away even some of the protections, the, 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 the breaks that were put upon lethal injection. I do not use the word made. I only use it rarely, medical assistance and dying. It's a lie. It speaks no truth. You do not gild iniquity with pretty words. It's lethal injection that's being pressed upon our society. And in that world, we need to pray, pray deeply. And there's so many things within the church and in the world and society. So we shouldn't be whining about them. We should pray, say, Lord, thy will be done. Give us the grace and the strength to know what we can do in our own particular mission, whatever it may be. But we need to pray. And if anyone wonders why I encourage people to pray the St. Michael's Prayer after Mass, I only ask, what planet are you on? And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Resheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. What a grace that in that struggle, there we see Samuel we'll see him more in the the rest, the portion that follows of the book of Samuel, how when things get darkest and hope seems to go, we find God working through him. And that spirit that he has, which should be the spirit that we have, here I am. He never loses it, even when he's, when he's old. Nor should we. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down within the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am. And ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. And now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, He said to Samuel, go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood forth, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone that hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I tell him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli, that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay down until the morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. He said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew. and The Lord was with him. Let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come now and at the hour of our death amen glory be to the father and to the son to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen in the name of the father and of the son the holy spirit amen